Harrison Price for Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go Go Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. And if you're heading to a game or to a holiday party, an event downtown, when I make it a staycation, call the wall 604 331 1000. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grease Ass, Hitting Switches, conducting things in this show. Presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Nissan in Surrey has a huge stock of EVs just waiting for you to make that decision to finally leave the pumps behind. That Nissan Leaf, one of the OGs. Go check it out. Take it for a test drive. Fall in love and rates from 5.99% to boot. Or, hey, there's always the Nissan Rogue, the best seller finance from 3.99%. It's all good. At Applewood. Poll question today. Does a 40-goal season make Brock Besser untouchable? Yes, no, or he's untouchable now. You can vote. At Sikarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. We're asking this after a two-goal performance by number six. A 3-1 victory over the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, a 1-1 game going to the third in the bounce-back game, Blake. And mm-hmm. Liz Patterson gets the winner. Brock Adds an empty netter to his first goal, up to 17. That leads the National Hockey League. Untouchable is a big word, especially for a player who is <clears throat> seeking a trade on his own last year with that salary. My have times changed. Uh, I, I voted no just because I, I just don't think the Canucks are a cup contender this year or next. Could be, but that's a little ambitious for me. Um and we'll hear from Patrick Alvin in terms of what's missing from this lineup later. But I can understand if people are saying, hey, Brock Besser's back in the Canucks score and Brock Besser needs to be uh, a part of the future going forward. The, the truth of the matter is, is that in today's salary cap uh, world, you, you just you need you need more information, really. You need uh, to know at the time of renewal, whether that's this summer or next, and I mean this summer being like seven months from now, that summer or the one after – um, you know, what's the salary cap at? What has everybody else re-signed at? What's Elias Pettersson's contract? Mm-hmm. What kind of bite is that taking out? Um, Philip Ronick's contract, what kind of bite is that taking out? You need to know what the Canucks economic restraints are at, and then, yes. you, and then you can know whether or not he's untouchable. And yet, the other thing I'll say, um, and we'll get more into this here when we discuss the Anthony Beauvillier trade, is with Kuzmenko having the season that he's having – you're not as you're not exactly as great as you thought you were on the wing, nope. right? I mean, Hoglander has taken a nice step forward, and that's fantastic. Mikheyev has come back from the injury pretty well, and we'll see how he does after another, another friendly yeah. fire yeah. episode. But he's back practicing, so um, if there is any wound there, it might be psychological, like we said with Kuzmenko. Boy, they keep hitting each other. It's crazy with their own shot. Um, so he may well be that scoring winger you absolutely need that is absolutely a part of a cup contention team. I think we thought it would be Andre Kuzmenko, but you take a look at the first quarter of this season, it is clearly. But Brock's cap hit is already pretty generous, I would say. Like he's not underpaid right now you know, at, at 6.7 almost. Um, you know, what's the raise look like that? And, and and if you're paying a guy eight or nine million dollars a year, yeah. man, he's got to be certified well, at 40 goals. The good news is you got one more year here. Yep. Um, you can have a Besser play it out next season. And, yes, then you have to uh, stomach the idea of how much are we going to pay this guy going forward or is it time to move on. Patrick Alvin met the media, Canucks general manager today at Rogers Arena. He was asked about Brock Besser. 
I'm very happy with uh, Brock's performance. Uh, and I think everything started last spring when we were, we sat down after the season and how he expressed that, that he want to be a, a part of this franchise moving forward and what he was committed uh, to change this in, in his off-season training. And um, I'm happy to see that, that he's pushing himself every day to get better. And i got to give uh, Alvin and Rick Talkett credit because they got through to Brock Besser in a way that previous coaches and general managers could not. That his summer needed to change and Brock finally made the commitment. Now, I would... I don't think all the credit belongs to the Canucks. I think part of the credit belongs to Brock Besser and his agent going, wow, nobody wanted to take our contract on last year. So I'm sure that was a spur to make some changes as well. Some but of it goes to his own um, health, mental health well-being too, I think. Yeah, oh, you fair, know, like fair. His ability to just get mm. himself going in the right direction mentally. I think, I mean, honestly, I, I – I, I think people are looking at his game and manufacturing things that he's improved. I mean, I think his game, like, I don't think he's quicker. I don't think his shot's better. I don't think any of that's true. I think he's just got think, clarity of thought, and, and I think he's able to focus a little bit better. And he's been very opportunistic around the goal. And we talk about this later with Frank Corrado. Um, this is not a player that's going to score a lot of goals based on speed and walking guys. This is not a guy who's... Going to score a lot of goals off the rush, although you know they certainly are capable. And his shot is good to very good. Yeah. It's not oh, league leading. Well, it's, I don't think it's, it's league leading. It's superb. Like I think I think JT Miller and Elias Pettersson have better wrist shots than yeah, Brock yeah. Besser. Probably fair. You um, don't think you don't think he's quicker, eh? Because his first few steps. I think he looks from a little a quicker to me. Yeah, he to me he looks a little way quicker, quicker than he what might be hungrier. I don't think he's quicker, but I think a little quick. Yeah, there you go. The whole gamut there. You don't think he's quicker at all? I think he's a little bit quicker. <laughs> Grady thinks he's way quicker. Anyways, um, he's having a tremendous season. Where would the Canucks be without him? And, of course, we're going into a first-place showdown Thursday with the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vancouver Canucks, one point in arrears of the defending Stanley Cup champions. They got him here at home, and if they win that hockey game, it would be first place in the Pacific Division, despite Vegas winning their first seven games out of the shoot. What was 10 of their first 11? Some extraordinary record. And that's one of the few comparisons where the Canucks don't owe anybody games played. They do exactly. owe games played league-wide and conference-wide, but, right. but not in the division they don't. And, in fact, uh, I say first-place showdown, but it may be academic because the Kings with four games in hand on right. both of those clubs, trailing Vancouver by two and Vegas by three. And we found out uh, Shea, uh, Shea Theodore, Aldergrove Shea Theodore, is going to miss that game after he's missed a few here. Yet have, after going uh, for surgery, surgery yeah. he's out week to week for the Vegas Golden Knights, I'm sure he'll miss an opportunity playing here at home. Okay, on to the trade from yesterday, uh, Tuesday, and here's Patrick Alvin again in uh, describing uh, why he made the deal. With the competition we have here, we can provide him with the ice time that I believe he deserved to be a top nine player in the league that he's shown over the years. So uh, with the internal competition down in Abbotsford and and the way the, the roster is conducted right now, uh, I felt there was an opportunity for him to move on um, to get his game uh, uh, back to where it belongs. Well, not to mention, give this team 
the cap relief that he needs. It's not just a humanitarian reason. And he went on to to talk about that as well, the cap space that was gained and and the fact that that affords them some opportunities. So um, it helps Beauvillier. Beauvillier will undoubtedly get more ice time now, especially with Taylor Hall and Corey Perry out of the mix there in Chicago. So it it is good for him, and it's definitely good for the Vancouver Canucks. A lot of this trade is going to rely on who they spend this cap space on and and when they're going to spend this cap space. Now, Alvin did remind in his media availability today they are operating in LTIR, so they do have Mm -hmm. to be conscious of Carson Susie coming back at some point after Christmas and making sure they have the requisite cap space to fit his salary back in. But for me, this is a big win for the Canucks in this regime for a couple of reasons. Number one, you move the entirety of the $4.15 million owed to Beauvillier. Cap space at a premium this year to get cap space and an asset, a fifth round draft pick, is a massive win in a cash-strapped league, as we have seen. Now, they should be able to spend this cap space wisely. Uh, I, like uh, a lot of others, are, are thinking it's going to happen quickly. That seems to be this front office MO, get cap space, spend cap space, going back to last year and the Philip Ronick deal and, and others that we have seen Rutherford and Alvine execute here but i guess there's a chance that they uh, spend it poorly in which case i think we'd look differently on this deal great to pounce on the chicago blackhawks and their post Corey perry world we've uh, seen so many teams pull off these kinds of deals and we've criticized them why if other teams can pull off these salary dump deals why can't you seem to hmm. well they just did they finally just did hmm. and, and now the question i think the the, the second phase of this is are you willing now to spend further assets to get a better player, yes. or are you okay spending no assets and signing Ethan Bear? Yes. To me, that's the huge calculation they have to make. And Alvin was asked today in his media availability, do you need another defenseman? And his response was yes. Emphatic, uh, he, yes. He with talked not a about, lot of explanation past that. He just said yes. Well, he talked about injuries on the back end um, and to Pew P- Suter, Suter too. Though, yeah. But, you know, talking about the injuries uh, on the back end, Susie, Breezebois, look, they were looking for a defenseman even before those two guys went down. He talked about that. He checks in frequently with Ethan Bear's agent, but he is unsure of the timeline here in terms of when Bear is going to be ready. I know Rick Dollywall's talked about after Christmas, so you're still about a month away there. You wonder if that gap space will burn too much of a hole between now and then. And there is a roster freeze around the holiday season as well, which we should keep in mind. So you're on a, a, a little shorter clock in terms of if you are trying to make a trade before that holiday roster freeze comes into place. Winning, of course, reduces the necessity <laughs> a lot. Thing. So if the Canucks mm-hmm. can get back on their horse as they were, I don't, I don't think anybody's expecting October uh, level of winning, but if they can if they can be decent here over the next few weeks, and there's a lot of home cooking, so the, the home schedule could really uh, extend their leash and – and look, make them look less desperate. If they if they can take advantage, mm-hmm. then maybe they can wait for Ethan Bear. We'll see. Uh, as you heard, Alvin talked about guys pushing from Abbotsford, and one of those players is 24-year-old Linus Carlson, who gets recalled today. Three goals, 12 assists, 15 points in 17 games with the Abbotsford Canucks this year. Of course, he's played the one NHL game, too, played that 
that game in Calgary uh, a few weeks back. He's turned 24 since that game, actually. Could very well face um, Calgary again. Yeah, exactly. And as, uh, as we uh, have long known about Linus, has uh, been a professional over in the Swedish ranks before coming over here at the beginning of last year and putting in a good season with the baby Canucks and continuing that here this year. Now, I think there is a world where you're slightly weaker at winger here. Um, Anthony Beauvillier had played some good games recently. No one doubted the the try. There's no, always try. No, there me. was always try. Yeah. And um, the other thing is, he he tends to be streaky. We have seen goals and bushels from him. And uh, Matt, even the totality of his Canucks day, twenty eight points in fifty five games, mm-hmm. seems about right. No, it's not bad. <laughs> it uh, seems um, about right. And you know, there were long stretches where he wasn't productive, and really, the bottom line wasn't there for Beauvillier. But um, and particularly the way Alvin has talked about him, gosh, he was overflowing in his praise when he was first acquired from the Bo Horvat trade. Perhaps a little too much, yeah. Uh, talked about three first-rounders, right? Well, maybe not quite. Yeah. Um, you know, also, he's a professional NHL winger, and Linus Carlson has yet to prove that. So you are a little thinner there. I don't suspect it's going to change the price of T much for them, affect them in the long term, but we'll see how they do here. They've got a couple other wingers who are struggling. I mean, Phil DiGiuseppe gets in the lineup last night because of this trade. We all know uh, Andre Kuzmenko struggles, and Tockett was asked about him last night and said he was uh, okay, which wasn't exactly a ringing endorsement of the second-year well, I, Russian player. I think he probably deep down thought he played pretty well last night, but mm-hmm. you don't want to all of a sudden tell the guy, that's the finish line, that's mm-hmm. all it took. You don't need to get any better than that. Yeah. Like I think he wants to make sure that there's still hunger for yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I think that has allowed this trade to happen is the play of Nils Hoaglander, who I very much believe will now be on the second power play unit where Bovillier had played in the past, and a huge opportunity here for Hoaglander to play in the top six. We have, on a couple of occasions already this year, talked about is Hoaglander done being a healthy scratch? Is Hoaglander done with AHL games? It would appear both of those things right now, although Tockett has shown us he's willing to go to the brave healthy scratch, so I wouldn't want to drop the level too, too much, Nils. That all said, if he continues the trajectory we've seen, and he's per 60, been one of the better players on the Canucks in the NHL this year, then you're certainly not going to miss Beauvillier because I think Hoaglander has more potential there. We should also mention that Matt Irwin, Victoria's Matt Irwin, has been recalled here from the Abbotsford Canucks, seeking his first game with the big club. And Akito Hiroshi been sent back down. And that's with Myers and Cole not present at practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, they they gave days off to uh, Hronik and Hughes a couple of games ago, a couple days ago, pardon me, on uh, Monday, I guess. Um, So this could just be um, a way to reduce the tax on on guys like Cole and, Mm -hmm. and Myers, but... You do wonder if mm-hmm. if Matt Irwin does get a bit of a look here. If some guys are nursing some some little uh, some little injuries. The other thing, um, the other thing that we should reset here uh, after the Beauvillier trade is we are about uh, ten months since the Bo Horvat trade. And so now when you look at the Bo Horvat trade tree, and I've seen a lot of people put this out here and, and some get it wrong, actually. Uh, so it's Bo Horvat 
and a second round pick turns into Philip Ronick, Atu Ratu, a fourth round pick, and a fifth round pick. Because it was Ronick and a fourth for a first and a second. Mm-hmm. So that first came and went. It's Beauvillier now for the fifth. I think Philip Ronick's performance, and who knows if we should give them full credit for knowing this was coming from mm-hmm. Philip Ronick. Well, I, I mean, I think they deserve some for yep. sure. I mean, yeah, scouting is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think knowing what we know and what, what we've seen from Philip Ronick, Matt, I mean, this is exactly what the team needed on the right side. I mean, how much worse is this team this season if Philip Ronick isn't on the blue line? So. Right now, I, I I don't think Canucks fans should be no suffering sleepless nights for the return on Bohorvac. No, no, no. It, it it's wound up being a good trade. Yeah, a very good trade. Now, a, a top two center and a second round pick is a lot of currency, but to get a top pair right shot defenseman, uh, a centerman who's still got a chance, and, and two additional draft picks, but also to fix the weakest part of your team, that's like it. like that's the big thing and with the toughest right? position to find, the scarcest commodity in the NHL. Yeah. That right-handed defenseman who can play in the top—I'll—I'll I'll call it a win right now. I, I mean, it would take a lot, for, I think, for for that to to reverse in my mind. Mm-hmm. Now on to Chicago, where Kyle Davidson, their general manager, yesterday in a press conference is fighting back tears and announcing Corey Perry's contract termination. He insists strongly that it had nothing to do with another player or another player's family. And, in fact, looked disgusted and, and quite mm-hmm. moved that that was even a possibility. Absolutely. So they do address the uh, salacious Internet rumors that were swirling and swirling around North Vancouver's Connor Bedard, their sensational rookie. Perry has cleared waivers today and now has 60 days to file a grievance Again, to me, the operative sentence in that statement yesterday is that he did something to violate the standard player's contract. That, as we know, is a pretty difficult thing. You don't see that a whole lot, firing with costs in the NHL. And so we'll see if Perry and his representatives push this file anymore. I like what Damian Cox tweeted yesterday. Apparently, whatever Corey Perry did isn't a suspendable offense for the NHL. So it will be interesting to understand what causes the Hawks to believe they have to terminate his deal. That That is an interesting unanswered question here. It's not anything that would rise to the level of NHL suspension, and yet it does rise to the level of contract termination. Perry's story was investigated by ESPN, um, and they've got some a few more details that he did travel with the team on um, that fateful day. And it was on that travel day that something had happened um, with an employee. So they say it was a, you know, a daytime event for, I think everybody's mind goes to something dark late at night in, you know, and they fill in a substance you know, uh, you know, a, a guy that's abused a substance that that according well, they fill in all detail, which is yes, why, which is the problem, which right? is in the absence of commentary or information, what you allow to run wild with the public and particularly in a social media era, rightfully or wrongfully, and I think most would say wrongfully. Yeah. So, um, 
we'll see. Again, our minds can go everywhere because we've seen a lot of crazy stories in sports, but because we've seen it doesn't mean that that's necessarily here, you know, like, and, uh, and you're right. Our minds just tend to fill in the blanks. On to football or a big announcement from the British Columbia Lions, the Canadian football league and the city of Victoria today, introducing touchdown Pacific, the latest in the Canadian Football League's touchdown series. Of course, you knew this is touchdown Atlantic with games being played in Moncton and Halifax over the years. Well, a neutral site, smaller stadium game is coming to Vancouver Island. Royal Athletic Park in Victoria. We're told the capacity there will be between 10 and 14,000. The opponent is the Ottawa Red Blacks, and it's happening on the Labor Day weekend. August 31st. And, of course, the BC Lions have been the one team that has been kind of left out of the Labor Day series in the Canadian Football League without that natural geographic rival. They have played on Labor Day weekend in the past. We have seen that. Often against Montreal. Uh, Montreal or yeah. Ottawa when those two teams don't play each other. And that, for a while, was a geographic rivalry that they went with on Labor Day to fill particularly that Friday night football spot on Labor Day weekend. And so this is a Saturday game, Saturday, August 31st at Royal Athletic Park in Victoria. Now, if you know the history of the family of Amar Doman, it goes back to Vancouver Island. So Victoria and the island near and dear to British Columbia to the BC Lions ownership. Let me read the quote from Commissioner Randy Randy Ambrosi, Blake, and we'll come back and discuss. Through this series of neutral site games, we're building bridges and helping ensure the future of our game. We're proud of all we've built in Atlanta, Canada, and we remain in conversation with highly engaged and motivated prospective owners in Halifax. That door remains open and that dream is alive. Touchdown Pacific was born out of a desire to strengthen the ties between Canadian football and another corner of our amazing country. And we look forward to an incredible event next year. We hear from football fans on the island all the time, and they have been quite thankful to be able to get that same day to and from ferry uh, to BC Lions games. And, of course, a lot of that has to do with the start times in the summer, and Amar Doman and the Lions have been very attuned to that, and that's why you're getting these 4 o'clock starts on Saturdays in the summer, which for me is brilliant. You get a chance to enjoy the day. And and Nanaimo fans can use that new pedestrian ferry as well. So. Uh, so I have no doubt this is going to help strengthen the Lions and the CFL brand on the island and expose the game live and in color to some folks who maybe haven't had a chance to experience here on the mainland NBC place. The one thing I'll say about this initiative, Victoria and the island is not an expansion possibility. No. I mean, over the BC Lions dead body, That's right. would you put a team on the island. They are the BC Lions, not the Vancouver Lions for a reason. Yeah. The late Bob Ackles used to make sure that was a point of emphasis with the franchise. It's one of the reasons why they bring training camp around the province, although the facilities in Kamloops and Thompson Rivers have been just so extraordinary that they've stayed there. But it's why, why you have initiatives from the Lions across the province. So Touchdown Atlantic was always sort of viewed as a litmus test of, you know, how interested are the folks in Atlantic Canada in the CFL in a potential expansion franchise. Heard the commissioner with James Duffy from Grey Cup talking about how they're going to move this game around. 
And it also sounds like they're sort of at their wits end with Halifax and Atlanta, Canada, in terms of if this isn't going to happen soon, they're moving on. Understandably. I mean, it's a shit or get off the pot sort of scenario, and there hasn't been enough pooping. Um, so it's time to move around and um, movements, a lot of a lot of movements. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to stay with the metaphor, apparently. Uh, <laughs> never heard you go <laughs> quite this potty before. Um but there are other places to go, and 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 what I'm hearing from Ambrosi is, you know, if we're not going to do this for expansion reasons, then we're going to solidify what we've got already. Right. So, you know, and BC might not be done with it. Hmm. I mean, move it, move it to the Okanagan. There's, you know, the entirety of the population of the Okanagan is 350,000 people. Like they could do a 15 to 20,000 seat game. You know, again, we're, we're only asking for one game for mm-hmm. this thing. Not, I'm not talking expansion. I'm talking about, again, well, solidifying the brand. That's, that's what I'm saying. So w- w- what I see going on here is the CFL saying to Atlanta, Canada, we're not going to deliver you a game annually anymore. Right. The time for that is done. Yeah. You've had your cake. A- and frankly, if Atlanta, Canada, and Halifax don't step up from this point forward, I do wonder whether you have to now then go and explore Quebec City a little further than what you have. And there has been different opinion with the Alouettes over the years on that. At one point, their um, old owner, Robert Wettenhall, was against it. He then came out and said, you know what? I think it would be good to have a natural geographic rival. The Wettenhall family has since turned the team over. Well, it's twice been turned over since. So what is Pierre-Carl Pelado and the uh, massive uh, Videotron Quebec or um, company, uh, which needless to say has a stake in Quebec City, Think about a rival team up the road. The fact of the matter is, is it's not like some other places. I don't think you get a ton of Quebec City folks who go to Alouette's games. So I would think that would be the next move for the Canadian Football League uh, if if Halifax and Atlanta Canada doesn't happen quickly. And, hey, we here in BC and particularly on the island are the beneficiary of all of this. The uh, the Montreal Grey Cup might not be a bad thing to happen in, in that vein. Well, they're well overdue. For a Grey Cup, so and, yes. but I'm just saying that the excitement of winning the Grey Cup this oh, year. Oh yes, yes, and, and there was even a French yeah. language well, sort there, of yeah, element there to it. There, there was a yeah. um, and mm-hmm. and really, I mean, for not for all of New Brunswick, but for you know folks in like Edmonston, like you can make it to Quebec City. You could draw from uh, from some of those those people in, in New Brunswick as well in Quebec City. Trois Rivières to the east or to the west. Yep. Yeah, you're right. French you know, New Brunswick to. And, of course, uh, Laval University has attracted fantastic crowds there at their Pep Stadium for a quarter century. In fact, uh, many will tell you that it's Laval University and their their financier, Jacques Tremblay, uh, who's a big furniture store magnet that has been keeping the CFL out of that town in the past. But, you know, there's such great support for football there. There's so many French-Canadian players now. And if you told them that there's going to be, you know, eight more jobs for them <laughs> you know coming up in a few ah, years time the, well, like 20 those, some but yeah seven but starters, starters and college yeah. programs might get a big mm-hmm. uh, boost there in terms of and, and high school programs well, too and the laval player there if he's a starting receiver or running back or something would be an absolute god yeah uh buck pierce looks like he's gonna be the new head coach of the saskatchewan rough riders good on the former bc lions quarterback and his rise to the coaching ranks in the canadian football league always enjoy our conversations oh yeah with buck single-handedly one of the bravest football players I've ever encountered. When you look at all the shots Buck took over the years and just coming back 
Do you remember that halftime? Look at my mouth, and he's just bleeding profusely from the chin and the mouth. And it uh, sounds like Scott Milanovic, who was also involved in that Saskatchewan search, may well be taking over for Orlando Steinauer with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, with Steinauer uh, moving to an upstairs role. He has all those roles right now. It sounds like he may well uh, leave the big list. Maybe that was in an effort to keep Milanovic, well, too. That very well might be. Yeah. Very well, uh, who's uh, a good coach. Seahawks in Dallas tomorrow, as we have talked about. This is a very important game for Seattle, and yet one that looks exceedingly difficult to win against a Cowboys team with 13 consecutive wins on their home field. Leonard Williams, starting guard Phil Haynes, Kenneth Walker, Will Disley, the tight end, and D. Askridge, who's finally uh, showing that he's got some something to offer on special teams. They're all questionable right now. Seattle has had a tough go with injuries this year. Uh, this is a big one tomorrow because if they lose this one, uh, the NFC, they're in playoff position right now by virtue of that Minnesota loss on Monday Night Football. If they lose this one, I would think they're on the outside of the playoffs looking in in the NFC heading into the weekend. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Greta. Greta, fantastic spot to watch the games throughout the season. The playoffs place to chill in the offseason. We'll talk to Frank Corrado, our Wednesday regular former Canuck and TSN hockey analyst. We talk about Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson. Talk about the trade of Anthony Beauvillier, Kuzmenko, what he can do to get back in the good graces. Frankie bringing back the summer in Bali and how that looks now. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Then Dave Hall of Canucks Army. He's a writer on the Canucks, and he's taken over the prospect beat from Chris Faber. A big list to cover with Dave. We ask him about, uh, well, taking over for Faber. We talk about uh, the prospects down on the farm. Lance Carlson, Archie Baines, Atu Ratu, Vasily Podkolzin, an update there. Cole McWord, who played his first NHL game of the season last night. Nils Hoaglander, where he factors going forward. And then Jonathan LeCaramacki, Tom Wielander, Hunter Brustevich, and there's a fourth Canuck prospect that may well feature at the World Junior Championships coming up in Sweden next month. Let's hear some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. At the Applewood Auto Group, they want to make sure that you get into the absolute best car for you. That's why at Applewood Mitsubishi in Richmond, they're going to tell you to dip your toe into the Mitsubishi Outlander. It has everything you need for Vancouver and Vancouver winters in particular with the all-wheel drive. Get the gas Outlander at rates from 4.99%. They've got plenty in stock. If you want the uh, plug-in hybrid edition, make your factory order today at Applewood Mitsubishi in the Richmond Auto Mall. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today, does a 40-goal season make Brock Besser untouchable? Yes, no, or he's untouchable now. You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. Here he is, Wednesday regular, former Vancouver Canuck, TSN hockey analyst, the one and only Frank Corrado. How we doing? Good, good. It was, uh, it's been a busy week, but we're gearing up for some things. I don't know if you guys care about European hockey at all. I'm going to give a little shameless promo. We got the Champions Hockey League starting up next ah, week on yes. TSN. I've seen this on TSN in previous years. Are yes. you familiar with the rule changes that they implemented this year? No, do tell, do tell. So there's three new rule changes. So 
if your team gets a penalty, it's going to be treated as a major. So you're sitting in the box for the two minutes, no matter what, even if the other team scores. Right. Yes. I remember when that, when it was announced, keep, keep going. If, if your team is shorthanded and you score a shorthanded goal, your player now comes out of the box. Oh, which I love, I happen to love that rule. And the third one I believe is if there's a delayed penalty, and someone scores, you're still going to the box, even though it's a delayed penalty. Right. What do you think? I like them all, except for the shorthanded gets your guy out. The infraction happened. If you want to dissuade those infractions from happening, you keep the guy in the box. But either the other two, the delayed yeah. penalty one, that's a tap-in. That, that should have been done years ago. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see yeah. how it goes. Is HC Davos in this tournament? They are not. They'll be front and center for the Spangler Cup in as, December. As per usual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Besser here for a second. Um, we talked about him last week. You go back with him, right? Um, Canucks. No. We played against him. He we let us up for three him. one night when I played for Pittsburgh. We thought this <laughs> guy was Murray the most was of Ovechkin. We couldn't right. believe it. We were sitting right. on the bench. Like, I, we got Crosby and Malkin and Brock Besser, the rookie, is lighting us up for three. Right. Yeah. As Matt Murray said, though, it was a lucky night. Lucky, was, lucky night. It was a lucky three. I wish I had a lucky three. I think I had a lucky three in my whole career. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, leads the National Hockey League in goals with 17 after last night's two-goal performance. He's two better than Reinhardt and Kucherov. Like, is he back to being in the Canucks core, as you see it, uh, Frank? Would he be an untouchable guy for you? Let's remember, this is a guy who spent – the second half of last year, looking for a trade, looking for a new destination. And there were no takers on the contract. The untouchable label is weird for me because I remember when Luke Shen in Toronto was untouchable. Everyone was on, everyone could get moved except for Luke Shen. So I, I don't know if I buy the untouchable thing, but I will say this. If a team is heading in the right direction and thinks they have a chance to win and they have a player filling the back of the net and he's contributing and you're getting your, your dollars worth out of that guy, why, like, why would he not be in your core group of players going ahead, moving forward? Because, you know, with the way the team has played this year and the standings don't really lie, like I believe they're one point back of Vegas today, that's a good team. And that's a team that is, is, is we know exactly what direction they're going in. So it's kind of like all hands on deck. Everyone who's kind of involved with this group now, um, you know, outside of maybe there, there might be a few guys down the road that might get moved for one reason or another. Like we saw a cap casualty in Beauvillier and um, there, there could be moves like that. But when, when you're leading the league in goals, you're not going to be a cap casualty. A team needs you and good for Brock Besser, because I think we, we talked about it this summer where it's been a, it's been a long road. It's been tough for him. And like he, he obviously put in the work here and he's come back with a certain mindset playing with a lot of purpose. And he's, he's kind of right back to where he should have been as one of the league's best goal scorers. Well, and it's funny, Frankie, because as we know, he is not fleet afoot. He is not going to score a lot of goals based on speed or off the rush. There were several years there where he just didn't seem to be able to even manufacture the space in the offensive zone to get that terrific shot off of his. And so, you know, you watch him this year and he's going right down to the blue paint and he's scoring goals there on rebounds. He's been an incredible screener this year. He's been done an excellent job of getting in the goaltender's kitchen. So I think he deserves a lot of praise for the way he has found his role, found his niche, adapted to his yeah. strengths and weaknesses here. 
you know what? Season. Sometimes scoring goals from distance sometimes is just not going to be available to you. And you need to put yourself in situations where you're going to be in and around the goal mouth area in order to put things in. Obviously done a good job of that. I would say that there's probably a little more emphasis this year than there has been in the past as far as making those plays happen around the goal mouth area. Like, you know, you watch the team in the past, it was, you know, it, it just it just felt like things never really filtered there as much as they should have before. It feels like there's way more of an emphasis now, and that's obviously working out in his favor. So um, give him a lot of credit for that. I think the the team mindset and the mentality and how they want to play offensively is is something to do with that. But um, listen, he's got a, he's got a great shot. He's gifted that way. He's not the most fleet of foot player. But if you can arrive at the right spots at the right time, which it seems like he's doing, you're more often than not, you're going to get rewarded for it. So it's uh, it also helps to play on a line that's that's clicking really well. Call this a, a good problem to have. And, and we say that about general managers, but it is a problem ultimately. And, and, and it's not one to be dealt with in season. But Brock Besser, if he becomes a leading scorer in the league, now, it doesn't have to be the Rocket Richard Trophy, but if he's in the top five in goals, and if he comes anywhere close to that next season in his final year of his contract, there's dollars there that have to be paid. Guys, Philip Pronick is a point-per-game defenseman right now. They've got to find money for him. They've already got to deal with Hughes and Pedersen in the not-too-distant future either. These are some problems, Frank. Not everybody can make $10 million on your roster, but you know, point-per-game defenseman, they, that's what they make. Yeah. Leading goal scorers in the league, that's what they make. There is an issue. And again, it's not an issue right now. It's not an issue for even May of this year. But not long after that, there is an issue here to be dealt with here. And, the, the, you know, the team that you cover the most is the Leafs. They know all about this. You just can't pay everybody $10 million a year. It's very true. And, and you know what? We see this a lot with teams that have won. You know, all the cap casualties, all the guys that, you know, had great playoff runs and had great seasons and they were under cost certainty and now they're not anymore. The unfortunate part for Vancouver is if and when this does come to a head, they didn't have the years of everyone winning where, you know, Tampa Bay had the years of winning. So the guys like Killorn and Coleman and Barkley Goodrow, like those guys all moved on. They all got paid elsewhere. But with you rings, can live though. With it. Right, yeah. You can live with it because yeah. you won. The Chicago Blackhawks are a great example of that. Every year guys left because they made more money elsewhere. They tried to replenish until you get to the point where the core just got too old and they couldn't do it anymore. Now, I, I will say, like, so many things change on a day-to-day -day in this league. Like, two weeks ago, there were two teams in the Western Conference that had no chance of making the playoffs, Calgary and Edmonton. Oh, I don't know about Edmonton, but you know what I mean? Like, hmm. things change so quick on a day-to-day -day in this league, so things are obviously going to change here as, as the years go on and these contracts do come to a head. But it's better to have this problem with players that are – succeeding and doing well within your own organization rather than going out and acquiring and then inheriting bad contracts that other teams sign and now you've taken on because you, you think your team can be good like it's I don't know they're in a better situation now than they have been in the past even with you know, a lot of money to be paid for a few guys coming up on the horizon. And worst case scenario, I suppose, Frank, if you have to make a hard decision on a player going forward because they are so successful, um, that player should have a lot of asset value um, for you to trade away if you're forced into that particular position. You so you think, should be able to reap yeah, some benefits. You would think. And like yeah. another guy we talked about this summer was Connor Garland, right? Like, you know, there, there was had to be some kind of cap move. So Beauvillier was the cap move, but 
even Connor Garland, anyone who's having success on a team, now teams look at you a little different. If they just look at you as, oh, I got to take on this problem. I'm not giving up an asset to, to take on someone's problem to let them off the hook. But if I see like, you know, Besser's having a resurgence this year, I don't know. They probably couldn't get people to pick up the phone on Besser last year. I'm not certain, but maybe that's the case. This year, I bet there's a lot of teams that would want a Brock Besser. So the individual oh, yeah. performance dictates a lot of that. On the trade uh, that you alluded to, I mean, everybody here thinks it's a slam dunk because you clear four plus million in cap space and get a draft pick asset. Uh, I mean, I suppose so much of it depends on how they spend this cap space. And then the other part is, is, you know, they, they've got some wingers who are struggling already and he has played some better games here of late. I'm not sure he changes um, the the uh, stakes over the long term, but perhaps in the immediate term. What did you make of the Beauvillier to Chicago trade? Yeah, I think... Well, it's good because you can get rid of the whole cap hit and you bring back an asset, like you said. I don't know. It just seems like every year we see that the biggest weapon GMs can have is cap space. We saw the Seattle Kraken when they came into the league. They really emphasize cap space and they've kind of used that to their advantage, although they're not having a great season this year. I think last year was a good example of what you can do when you have cap space. There's been other deals, um, you know, the last couple of years where you can see like, it was the Eric Carlson deal where cap space was the number one priority. It wasn't really about picks. It wasn't really about prospects. It was like, we need to get as much cap space as humanly possible going forward. So yeah, good for them in that regard. If I'm them, I'm looking to spend it on a defenseman. And I, I think that's, that's gotta be the number one priority. You keep hearing, Oh, Canucks are interested in Tanev or Zadorov, And, you know, maybe Ethan bear is, is maybe sniffing around getting ready to, to come back and play. I mean, for me, like they're they're pretty good down the middle. Like they're they they've been good down the middle. They do have some wingers that maybe underachieve, but I, I don't know. Like you, you kind of see what the recipe is for teams to have success. Last year, Vegas they were really really good in their own zone. L.A. is really good in their own zone. They don't give up much. It's nice to have guys that fill the back of the net. It's nice to have guys who get a lot of points, and it's awesome in the regular season. Blake, like you mentioned, I watch Toronto a lot. I cover a lot of their games. I see that. I see, you know, individual players up front that have fantastic years. And when push comes to shove, it leaves a little a, a little to be desired, you know, defensively in front of their own net. Like the Canucks have situated themselves in a really interesting position because not a lot of people thought they were going to be this good coming into the season. And I'm not going to say they've overachieved because they probably had high expectations internally. But they've done a great job. They've done everything that they can kind of control here and on their end. So now you look at it and say, why don't we bolster things a little bit more? Because I don't know, we're, we're almost playing with house money here with where we're at in the standings. And like I said, like the league changes very quickly on a week to week, year to year basis. You don't know your players health in the future. You've put yourself in a good spot here. Why not bolster things and, and really try and solidify, uh, solidify your blue line? I think they thought they would be 12 to 15 games above 500 at season's end. I just don't think they would thought they would be this close to that this early. So I think they're ahead of schedule more than they're necessarily uh, better than, than they are right now. And, and that's, that's good for them as well. Uh, we've talked about the fact they're, they're playing big games now and that's fun. A big one versus the Vegas gold. The Knights coming up on, on Thursday as well. They've uh, they've, met some regression they've sort of staved it off here they're three and two now in their last five games so they're starting to get back above that 500 mark in recent history 
um it, it's fun to have a have games circled on the weekly here now frank on the weekly yeah. we're circling games going that's a big one in fact the next two this week vegas sure. and, and calgary it's, it's pretty fun and, and it changes so quick where now teams are, are seeing vancouver on the schedule and they're probably saying that team's playing well like that's a good team so now they're getting the attention of the other teams instead of Vancouver sitting in there and Vegas rolling through town and thinking, how are we going to tread water here? Because these guys are four lines deep, they're six D and they can roll over us and embarrass us here on home ice. I think it's different now. A, a good team like Vegas looks at Vancouver and says, these guys are on the up and up and they're a good team. And now we need to be sharp. Like look, looking ahead to that Vegas game, they haven't been exactly filling the back of the net, but they're a team like I've watched them play a few times this year. They just kind of have the recipe, you know, like they, they just understand what a game entails as far as how to manage it, how to win it. Um, I know I, they didn't, they, I believe they lost to Calgary. They lost to Edmonton. So they're going to be hungry. That's the thing about these good teams. They're, they're not going to lose too many in a row. They're not going to let things slide. They kind of understand how to manage that. So that's going to be a good test for the Canucks. And that's a team that's probably looking to break out a little more offensively, although they scored some goals last night. But they're, they'll, they'll be hungry to, to take a piece out of Vancouver. And if anything, kind of assert themselves, you know, over Vancouver in the division and say, like, you know, we, we've been here. Like, we, we've been here a little while now. You guys, like, you guys are on the up and up. You're having a great season. But – We've been doing this year after year, and we won the Stanley Cup last year. Like, welcome, welcome to our party. We've been here for a little while now. Elias Pettersson is first goal in six on Tuesday. He's got two and ten, and we're all, <clears throat> excuse me, sitting here going, "Is he hurt? Is he injured?" Coach mentioned a few weeks back that he's he's playing through a little something. What have you noticed about Pettersson here of late? Yeah, this is so. Everyone's kind of speculating. You know, what, what, what could it be? And the coach mentions he's playing through a little bit of something. It's hard to know if it's the wrist or not, but I, I watched, you know, watching last night and I see he's in like a one-on-one -on -one battle. And instead of like moving his feet really quickly to like get out of the battle, you almost see him position his body so he can like pick someone and then have someone else come in and, and, and win the battle. And I'm thinking, man, you could really like, you could really explode out of the gate there. You're definitely fast enough. You're definitely strong enough, but you're almost just shimmying your body in a way to get body positioning on someone. So I don't know. That's just like a, a small little subtle thing I, I picked up on. And I don't know like what body part that would be. Uh, but give him credit because he's obviously working through something and he's still got to contribute. You know, that's, that's the nature of, of being a player in the NHL and, and playing through something like, no one really cares if, if, you know, if you're hurt, if you're on the ice, you have to be able to play. I remember, you know, when I, when I played in Vancouver, there was a game against the Minnesota Wild. I, I, I can't remember if I told you guys this story, but I tore my oblique and I knew there was something wrong and it was sharp pain. And I didn't really, not that I didn't report it. I just said, I'm playing with a lot of pain right now. Something hurts, but I'm not leaving the game. I want to finish the game. And obviously didn't go well the rest of the night with a blinding pain in your side. But the next day, there was a clip in video where I got beat on an icing. And I'm watching the video clip, and I'm kind of getting, like, called out for it by, by Willie. And he's like, this is unacceptable. This can't happen. This is in front of the whole team. And I'm thinking, yeah, like, I kind of put myself in that spot, didn't I? Like, I could have obviously pulled myself from the game, but I had to be a hero and play through a torn oblique. So 
No one really cares. Like the moral of the story is no one cares if you're hurt. You still have to contribute. So good for him. He finds a way to score a goal. And if you can manage yourself, like I would always say this, take the practice days off, you know, take the morning skates off, just be ready for the game. And it's not ideal, but it is a long season. And, you know, hopefully he can make progress that way. So Frank, uh, would people notice he's wearing wrist uh, tape, tape on his wrist? Like that's not a smoking gun. I don't think so. A lot of guys tape their own wrists. You know, if you see, like, if you see the wrist tape, Okay. And it's, let me get it in. If it's like from here to here and then it goes around, you know, the thumb. Like a physio taping job. Yes. Yeah. Like if yeah. you see that, that's a legit tape job. Like that's like there's something going on. A little bit of, a little bit of tape right here on the wrist. I've done that myself where I'm like, I just kind of want a little more stability. It could be, but I don't think that's like, that's not the smoking gun that it's like, oh, it has to be the wrist. I know guys that hurt their wrist, you know, two, three years prior, and they just felt comfortable with the tape. So they just kept doing it. Unless it looks like a real physio job with, you know, the whole shebang, the pre-wrap and everything. I'm kind of thinking, I don't know, anyone's, anyone could tape their wrist like that. We're obviously speculating because we don't know, but that's I had the same thought experience. though, yeah. That's just that, my yeah. experience. Uh, lastly, you do such a fantastic job for us in terms of uh, explaining the X's O's and ho- of hockey, which has been evident already in this hit. But Tockett wants Kuzmenko, quote, driving the middle through the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. What's he talking about there? What's he needing more of from Kuzmenko? I think that's just like a way of saying, I need you to move your feet. You're just, you're, you're kind of gliding through the neutral zone. And um, Tockett always talks about like pushing the pace. He says like push, we need guys to push the pace a lot. That's where that in like, that's where that happens. You push the pace through the neutral zone. I think it's one of those things where if, if he can pick up some speed and accelerate through the neutral zone, especially like in the middle of the ice, that'll allow him to arrive on time a little bit more in the offensive zone. So, you know, if it leads to the, the four check, because I kind of think Kuzmenko, he can be a really good puck hound at times. But if he's not getting to the right spots to do that on time, if you're, if you're a half a second late, you can't even hound the puck because now the defenseman or whoever's breaking the puck out, they got positioning on you, so you're chasing it. Just think he, it might be one of those things where he's chasing it a little too much, and that's his way of saying, like, get in gear and get moving. And, of course, you know, you always want to stay through the middle of the ice because that's where the game needs to be played. But I don't know. That's, that's how I read that. It's just, like, let's get your feet moving and get involved in the play a little bit more. I'll tell you what he's not doing himself any favors or he's not doing favors to anyone who had uh, elaborate plans of training in Bali for the foreseeable future uh, <laughs> with, with the starts of the season that he's had. And that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for NHL players who had plans to go, you know, in exotic locations and, you know, drink their protein shakes out of coconuts. And, you know, mm. I think it might, it might be one of those things where the guys who are paying $15,000, to go train with other NHL players and, you know, the best professionals in the business, they, they might be on to something. They may have an edge huh? yeah, over Bali is something. what you're saying. Before you yeah. go, the last two so, games. Well, let me just follow up on that. Like, would it, so if, does it get to the point where other guys in the room resent him for it? I don't, does it get to the point where uh, other guys, yeah. in the room, like someone pulls them aside and says, uh, you know, Hey, about that Bali last summer. What's happened has happened, I would say. Like, no, you know, what, what are you going to do now? It's happened. But may, maybe it's one of those things where, 
if it really got bad, which I don't think it's it's terribly bad, like I know Talkit last night said he was what did he say? He was okay or he was fine. Yeah, he said he was okay. Okay. They both mean the same thing. Okay. So if you looked at like money puck after the game, you would have saw um Kuzmenko was above 90% in his, you know, expected goal share. So you, if you looked at that, you would think, man, that guy had an incredible night. But it just goes to show you where the eye test kind of meets an old school guy like Talkit, where he's like, you know, he's he's mentioned like speed through the neutral zone. I've kind of mentioned like I want I want to see this guy hound pucks a little bit more because it leads to a little more for him. So I don't think it's a resentment thing from teammates, but it might be one of those things where it's like, if it really got bad, someone tells them like, we need you, man. Like we're, we got a good team. We got an opportunity to do something really cool here. That's somewhat unexpected. We're going to need all hands on deck. So I'd imagine he's, you know what? Like he seems like a, a, a like a hardworking kid. Like he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, so I would imagine he's doing everything he can to, to help contribute in the best possible way. Before you go, the the last two games alone have provided numerous examples. McKay has to leave because of uh, being hit by his own shot. Um, Miller, Besser, uh, the friendly fire. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, well, Kuzmenko in the mouth. Is there anything you can do to mitigate this? I mean, you don't want guys not going to those areas because the screens are so important in today. And yet, I can't remember this many friendly fire injuries here for yeah. the Vancouver Canucks. And maybe it's relying on outside shots too much. Maybe that's that's the issue of play here. But my goodness, hit the net, not your friends if you can. You know what you need to do? You need to get like a couple mannequins and put some skates on the bottom of the mannequins and tie a string and just like have the goalie coach or the skills coach maneuver them around the front of the net and have guys take shots from all different areas and just practice not hitting your buddy in front of the net. I've seen it a lot, actually. Like mm-hmm. I did a video clip of Heronic and Hughes, and I think there was two Canucks players who got hit. And for like one was Di Giuseppe. He got hit in front of the net. You see it a lot. And I, I think it's a good thing because that means there's someone establishing their presence totally. in front of the net. It's great. But it might be one of those things where before practice, you know, hey, we're, we're going on with the goalie coach. We're going to do goalie ice. We're going to do some skill ice. And we got the mannequins. Like, teams have the mannequins. They they exist. So get the mannequins out there and, and just try not to hit them. Remember Sammy Salo said he was scared at times of using yeah. his shot because yeah. he didn't want to hurt his teammates. He demurred his, uh, his from time to time. was so, like, heavy, heavy shot. Oh, My so goodness. good. You yeah. would see – Remember that play he used to do on the five on threes where he would almost go out to the red line and take a running start and like Henrik or Daniel or whoever would just put it on a tee for him. My goodness. I wish we had the shot metrics on that. Mm, The San Jose Sharks remember that. Oh, do they ever? (laughs) Single-handedly. One game four of the Western Conference final in 2011. Uh, Well, lots of Sharks penalties played into that as well. And uh, the big uh, hammer slap shot. From Sammy Salo. Just one last thing, um, by way of clarification, uh, Corrado. Okay and fine might mean the same thing coming from a hockey coach to a hockey player. In my household, okay and fine. Okay is better. Okay is better. There's one that's better. If she's okay, that's not great. Yeah. But that's livable. But fine. If she's fine, that's a four-letter effort. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Yeah, you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear that. No. No. When things are fine at home, it's kind of like the word literally, which is now used for exactly the opposite of its intended meaning. Fine is absolutely on that list. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you, sir. I, um, that was how I described my game some nights. It was mm-hmm. fine. It was fine. Your hit, your hit today here, this interview, way better way than fine. Way better than fine. Way above Several fire. levels. Thank you, sir. Fine. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags the best and worst of Twitter brought to you by VGH Millionaire Lottery. You've got until midnight Friday, December 8th to get in on the VGH Millionaire Lottery Christmas bonus draw, which includes a $40,000 vacation package from Travel Best Bets or 2023 Hyundai Elantra Luxury Hybrid or $33,000 cash with your VGH Millionaire Lottery tickets. You get in to win one of the 10 grand prize options, including home packages in Vancouver, the Lower Mainland, the Okanagan, Vancouver Island, or you can take $2.7 million in tax-free cash. Don't forget your 50-50-plus tickets win half of BC's biggest jackpot. It can grow to $2.4 million. Order your tickets toll-free at 1-888-445-5825. In person at London Drugs or online at MillionaireLottery.com. 19-plus to play. Know your limit. Play within it. At Shamsharania, Mark Cuban is selling a majority stake of the Dallas Mavericks to Miriam Adelson and Casino Tycoon Adelson family for a valuation in the range of $3.5 billion in one of the most unique setups in NBA history. Cuban, Cuban keeps his shares in the team and full control of basketball operations, prompting at Darren Ravel to opine, leaving Shark Tank, selling Mavs, readying for run at U.S. presidency? So. Yeah, question mark. I think so. I mean, it's uh, it's it's possible, I suppose, and a populist sort of centrist left side guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that he might see an opportunity right now. Celebrities have done reasonably well in recent presidential elections. Yeah. At deadline day live, Bayern Munich have begun talks with Alfonso Davies' agent. Over a new contract, and negotiations will, won't will be easy. His current deal runs out in 2025, and the club will consider a sale next summer if they can't reach an agreement. Real Madrid are interested. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to come down to the nitty-gritty here pretty soon. Um, I, I, this is his Edmonton-based agent? Like, this is the Canadian guy? No, I don't. No, I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. Um, I I think he's going to be at Real. That would be my guess. Yeah. He things have sort of plateaued for him there, and mm-hmm. I think that he, he probably wants to new challenge. Yeah, new fan base to adore him. And and we've also seen. I mean, I think that Beckham documentary underscored it as well. Real's got a mystique to it. Mm-hmm. Those the two Spanish I league guess teams the one- do. Would love to see him in the Premier League. Hope that's the thing while he's still in his prime. Yes and no for me because I think that that oh. that league is 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 uh, less fluid than the other leagues. It's the best league in the world, for sure, and it's the one that's most distributed here in Canada. For all those reasons, yes. <laughs> but do I think he flourishes there versus the other leagues? No, I think he probably is better suited for the other leagues. That would be my thing. Mm. While we're talking footy try this on for size at the athletic fc major league soccer could be the first major professional football league to introduce sin bins this is if you're a rugby fan you know what this is 
And in fact, it's been introduced in the FA, the English FA, actually does this in the grassroots level. Really? Yeah. Um, How long does one sit out? 10 minutes for standard 90-minute games. 10 minutes? Eight minutes for shorter games. This 10 minutes... Ten, it's a yellow card. So that's card. a yellow card. But you can get two of them, and and twenty it, minutes for two if you're thrown out with yeah, a red. It, no, but no, but that, it it doesn't seem to indicate that a second sin bin yellow necessarily equates to a red. That's in a second temporary dismissal on a match resulting in the offending player being dismissed for a further ten minutes, after which they may not rejoin the match, but they can be substituted if the team has substitutions uh, remaining. So you get a red card and you're not down a man. Right. But you've been down a man for 20 for minutes. 20 minutes. Uh, mm. The interesting one here is this. How about this? When a goalkeeper is sent off, any other player must go in goal, but the team must remain with 10 players. Upon returning, if during play, because if you're in the middle of play and your 10 minutes is up, the referee will wave you on, the goalkeeper can become an outfield player what? and then return to being the goalkeeper at the next stoppage. So when the... Out players playing goal, are they allowed to use yes. their hands? Yes, they become the goal, full goalkeeper, yeah. With all those privileges. Yeah. Are they allowed to yell at their teammates? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Boss uh, them around. As you can imagine, a stodgy old sport like soccer yeah. is going to have a lot of problems with this. Um, but MLS might be crazy enough to, to give it a ride. We'll see. And is the idea it may create more goals? I mean, 11 on 10, right? Yeah, and no, I think the bigger thing is, the big, the bigger test for this was... Cleaner do, footy? You, that's right. And they've, they've got now a, a some empirical evidence here mm-hmm. that it absolutely does that. Gotcha. At SI now, and I do hope this tweet was authored by a person and not a robot... <laughs> Um, Andre Dawson. We like to support people, (laughs) not robots. We're we're bigger on people than robots. Uh, And um, sad news for Canadian baseball fans. Andre Dawson wants his, his, although I found a mistake in this story, so it may well be a robot. Andre Dawson wants his team cap, cap switched on his Baseball Hall of Fame plaque. When he was inducted in 2001... He asked to go in as a Chicago Cub, not a Montreal Expo. Now, the Baseball Hall has final words on what cap you're presented with. And they said, no, 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 you're going in as a a Montreal Expo. Uh, He has recently sent a letter to the Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown talking about his love of playing in Chicago, saying, quote, it was an eye-opening experience for me, the adoration of the fan base, the welcoming from the city itself, and the joy of being able to experience that feeling in the second half of my career. I was one of the more popular players in Montreal, but I wouldn't consider myself an organizational icon or the most popular. When push came to shove, I became a free agent. I think I was handled poorly, and in a sense, I was really forced out. The change of scenery in Chicago rejuvenated me because of how warmly I was received. He did win an MVP award with the Chicago Cubs. Actually, the story claims he won two with the Expos. He was the runner-up twice with the Expos for the NL MVP in 81 and 83. Uh, He's right about being one of the more popular players because, of course, he played with Tim Raines and Gary Carter. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that both of them had way more currency. Yeah. yeah. In Montreal, 
And he was also one of the canaries in the mine shaft in terms of the financial trouble that the Expos would get themselves in, which saw them turn over a bu- – you remember that, Blake, how many stars they had to turn over there in that era from the late late, late 80s. And, well, honestly, from the late 80s really until the end of the franchise. So we'll see if the Hall is willing, but he says this is his one last shot at trying to change it. And you can also understand why, like, to be a Chicago Cup in that city. Yeah. I mean, if it was any even other team, when you lose, they love you, if right? If it was any other team, I would be most yeah. offended. If it was the Cincinnati Reds right. or the Miami Marlins. Right, or, especially the yeah, Miami no, Marlins. Exactly. No, in this case. Pittsburgh Pirates. But, you know, the Cubs are still one of the big sports media brands the world over. Uh, I mean, I'll say this. I'm, you know, not a Cubs fan, and I'm uh middling baseball fan walking into Wrigley as a as an objective observer is something Disneyland for adults every sports fan should experience we had an incredible time uh, with our friend Tom at Wrigley including bumping into franchise icon Ryan Sandberg who I would also argue was bigger in Chicago than Dawson was even with the yeah MVP at Adam Schefter Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show that any potential return this season will depend on both his health and the Jets playoff possibilities. He's not going to risk jeopardizing his Achilles again if oh, I, this team's, you know, four games below 500. Yeah. S- smart. Well, yeah. But also, are you not getting the mercenary vibe around Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? In what sense? Well, just Aaron Rodgers is about Aaron Rodgers at this oh, point. Oh, wow. I don't think there was... Although I think there's evidence Aaron Rodgers was about Aaron Rodgers. Yes, the whole time. Yes, exactly. And lastly, at bar down, you see this yesterday, the Leafs-Panthers game? Mm -hmm. Max Domi flexed his hair at Sam Bennett after their fight. So they get in a fight. They get broken up. The linesman is skating Domi away, and he starts grabbing at the top of his hair. And talking to Bennett, I regret to inform you that 18-year-old Sam Bennett has grown up and that 27-year-old Sam Bennett is bald. <laughs> Boy, life life moves fast, life isn't it? moves really fast. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. This was the teenage kid. Calgary Media couldn't stop gushing over in that standalone Canucks playoff series with Willie Desjardins. He's 27 years old and follically challenged now? Life ain't fair. And, and this comes from a Falkley Challenge individual right now as well. I, I Do you think hockey players are more prone to balding because of the helmet? Because the helmet? Because it, it seems like there's an well, awful there lot of 20-something well, bald guys. Well, baseball players too. Like, really? Well, yeah. I have been told that wearing baseball caps or any kind of headwear can... Uh, See, I've, I've seen that disproven. Really? Yeah, like I've, I've okay. seen that that is a complete myth. What People about love the to lean on that, maternal but, grandfather? Has that got I any think, currency? I, I think that's a... I mean... For myself, it certainly, as long as I don't lose another hair, that would, like, way I, mm-hmm. the way I am now is the way my grandfather on my mom's side looked at 80. So I would have to wow. not lose another stitch of hair for that to mm. match. I think that's a, uh, you know, a myth as well. But um, it just seems like there's an awful lot of 20-somethings. Do you think you can plateau from here? I don't think I can plateau from here. <laughs> I think it's a steady decline. Ah, that's yeah. hashtags for today.
Dave Hall is a Canucks and prospect writer for Canucks Army. We've been loving his content, and he's here making his Sikarison Price debut. Hi, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing great, boys. Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. More than welcome. We've been uh, loving the work you've been doing. Stepping into the big shoes of Chris Faber. How has that gone for you here in the early weeks? Yeah, I, you know, there's nowhere to sugarcoat it. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, big shoes to fill, and I knew that. And, you know, it's been great. Chris Chris did a really good job, uh, you know, filling me in and just kind of, you know, working with me and just making sure that everything just kind of transitions smoothly. But, uh, yeah, no, it's been great, and uh, he, he's been awesome. We're still in contact. And, yeah, it's been big shoes, and I, I just appreciate everyone's uh, – support mm. and you know everyone's been really really awesome so support <laughs> shoes you, uh, i feel like we're in an orthotic store right now well, yeah I was, yeah i was gonna ask what do you think like a size 12 size 13 with favor oh i'm thinking yeah. at least they're at least 13 at least maybe. 13 i hope you, hope you use wow. that hope you use that spray they use in the bowling alley <laughs> if you're gonna be stepping right into those shoes yeah no i'm packing my shoes with some uh some stuff in the front you know? <laughs> yeah right yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, first things first, uh, big Canuck news yesterday outside of the 3-1 win over Anaheim. The Anthony Beauvillier trade, your two cents, Dave. Well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're, you're shedding 4.15 off the cap. I mean, it doesn't really matter what you're getting in return, in my opinion. If they're if they're willing to take it with no with, with no no strings attached, then you're taking it and running. It's almost criminal at that point. So, yeah, do I wish that he was... You know, if he worked out in the top six, yes. Do I wish he was scoring goals for us? Of course. But, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, you're shedding $4 million. Now you can go big game hunting and, you know, hopefully he can find his game next to Connor Bedard or something like that. So does the fifth, round pick, does the fifth round pick excite you at all? Does that uh, add anything to the organization? Well, as a prospect guy, sure. I, I, you know, I like those later round picks anyways. Those are the fun ones to cut, catch up on. But no, I mean, like I said, at this point, they could have offered us you know, shoes, you know, Chris, Chris Faber's shoes, and we would have taken it. Um, you know, it's just one of those things you're shedding for a mill in this, in this day and age at this time of the year, it's, it doesn't always come by every day. So I just think it's a win no matter what. Talk, it says there's a couple of guys pushing in Abbotsford uh, on the wing or at forward. Who would you uh, look at down on the farm and say opportunity here with Beauvillier gone? Well, I think right off the bat, uh, obviously, we've got guys like Jack Stadnika, who was recently sent down. So he's kind of seems like, you know, maybe he he would just come right back up. Sheldon Dries is another guy that brings experience that they're, uh, you know, that they're they're well aware of. Um, I think if he's talking prospects, I think he's probably alluding to uh, someone like Linus Carlson, who has debut a couple weeks ago. And, you know, he, he looks pretty good. He stayed true to his game and. Um, you know, he was grinding in the corners and even got some late shifts there. So I think he's probably on the radar. Of course, you can't you can't knock Archie Baines. He's he's a little banged up right now. He missed the weekend games, but uh, you know, he's obviously contributing like crazy down there. So he brings a lot of speed and grit to the lineup. I I can't see them. Uh, you know, he must be on their radar. Um, and then there's uh, you know, there's guys like Atu Ratu. I know a lot of people have said that you know he might be ready to come up. I personally would like him to stay. On my personal level, I'd like them to stay down. I think he's doing some great stuff, but I still think, you know, there's no rush in grabbing him up. I just think there's too many names above him that uh, would warrant a call-up. Um, and then, of course, there's Pod Colson, who returned from from injury last week. Uh, personally, I thought he's looked a little 
timid and maybe just a little rusty you know he's obviously coming off a pretty traumatic injury um and a month off so it's been a little bit slow in his first four games but of course he's always an option but i personally again just personally uh i would like him to stay down and just kind of you know get some more reps down there especially coming off an injury so really too bad that that, that injury happened and that it's traumatic like you talked about because the start to yeah. pod coles and season i mean if he doesn't have that injury, are we talking about it like a necessity call up right now from Pod Colson? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we saw it the night before the injury. You know, he had that overtime goal. It was just tremendous. That was vintage Pod Colson for what us we thought we were getting when we drafted him in the first round. You know, head down, driving the net, and we were seeing that on a nightly basis. And it was really nice to see. Not only that, he was setting up in PD's shop, uh, taking tons of one-timers he's still doing that which is nice but yeah it, it is a big shame obviously you know health comes first and we're just happy that he's he's healthy but it is a shame because he was on track to to be doing some nice things there Cole McWord made his season debut in the NHL <clears throat> last night after a uh, Tuesday night after playing five games last year what did you make of McWord and uh, tell us a little bit more about his season yeah I mean it, you know it is what it is he played nine minutes and change. So, you know, it was a small sample size, but I, I thought he played well. Um, I, I, he didn't stand out, which in this case is complimentary. Um, you know, he just made simple plays and that that's kind of his game, to be honest. He's not a very flashy player. He just kind of gets the job done, shows up, does his work. He can play in all situations. Uh, one thing I did find interesting was when they, they mentioned that Rick Tockett thinks that he will thrive in the NHL as opposed to the AHL because of the structure. And I, I kind of chuckled when I heard that because I, I can totally see it because that's just the game that he plays. He's just a simple, you know, no, he doesn't mess around. He just makes the easy play. He doesn't try to do too much with it. And, you know, I, I just think he's got, uh, you know, he doesn't have crazy upside, but I think he can definitely slot in as a third pairing guy for sure. Well, I wanted to ask you, uh, Dave, um, boy, uh, a, a ton of options down there in Abbotsford, whether it's Christian Willannon, Matt Irwin, who's a, uh, veteran guys played many nhl games yeah. philip johansson who uh one time of course a first round pick has played professionally jed Wu, and yet they've gone with mcward and hirose whom hockett seems a little hesitant to put into the lineup what have you made of the choices they have made there in terms of call-ups on defense yeah well i think at the end of the day it comes down to two things one of them being contracts um obviously hirose and mcward are just the easy ones to just go up and down with the two-way ability there um and then of course injuries uh, i think a couple weeks ago when susie first went down will is probably slotting in there but unfortunately he's actually been out for two weeks now with an injury i'm still unsure what it actually is but he hasn't been playing so i think if he's healthy he probably does get the call. I think he slides in easily in that top six um, and also could probably even play PP2. You know, obviously Canucks are going with that Horonic Hughes line on the top, so he could probably even play some power play time, but he is injured. So I think it just comes down to the contracts. I just think they were easy choices to just slide up and down. They weren't sure how long the injuries were going to be. Um, and in terms of Hirose over McWard, I think at the end of the day, I think – I think they just wanted to make sure they got they kept McWard playing games and Hirose, who's a little bit older, maybe doesn't have as much upside. They just felt was the easy choice to just sit in the press box for a little bit, as unfortunate as, as it is. 
Some guys up with the Vancouver Canucks uh, want to make sure that they never see Abbotsford again. Those Hoaglanders, one of them. Noel Juleson's another guy, and he's been earning the praise of his teammates uh, for his attitude and what he's been able to bring to the table. And he's been in the lineup. Uh, it's as simple as that. He's been getting the tap from from Rick Tockett. Do you think he has, for the most part, seen the end of the American Hockey League? <laughs> yeah, it appears that way. Um, you know, I... I I don't want to not, I don't want to knock him too hard because who am I to say? I just, I don't know. I just think I did like talk what talk had said about him in the press conference last night, post game saying that, uh, you know, when he's doing playing a simple game, he's better. So it just seems like less is more with him, which oh, I'm he's okay very, with. He's, you know? he's, he's unspectacular. There's no question about it. We are never going to see uh, him making headlines. I don't think unless he somehow finds his way <laughs> well, into the score sheet. And but... the other thing is he played at least 11 and a half minutes in nine consecutive games here for the Canucks. Yeah. He's getting used. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's great. Obviously, talk it like something with him and, that you know, all power to him. I, I just pers- I personally don't see it. I haven't really liked his game. I just feel like he's really slow. He's trying to do a lot out there, which, like I just said, you know, less is more. He seems to be a little bit better when he's doing less. But he just, I don't know, I just think at this point, there, Cole McWard is probably a better option. I've even kind of liked JetBlue's game, to be honest. He's got a contract that doesn't really allow to go up and down. So that's going to, that's going to keep him down to be honest. But I just think at this point, you know, I just think there's options. McWard, Friedman, Wu, take your pick. And I just think it's a better option right now, but obviously talk, it disagrees and he sees something with them. So. Mm. Hoaglander. Do you think Hoaglander has seen his final healthy scratch in the NHL? And then uh, the other suite who has come up here, your uh, thoughts on Nils Oman. And his season today. Yeah, I think Coglander should be staying. I just think, you know, this what he's been doing in the past month has just been phenomenal. You know, he's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's seen his last day in uh, Abbotsford for sure. I just don't see any point of keeping him down. He's obviously got the message. And, you know, it's nice that he's he's only playing, you know, a, you know, a handful of minutes every night, but he's making them count. And I just think he's definitely worth staying up. And especially with Bovillier gone, he's just, an obvious, an obvious choice now. Um, Nozamon, he's come as advertised. He's just kind of, you know, kind of like McWard. He's just a no-nonsense guy. He plays a good PK. He's good on the defensive end, and he can chip in a little bit on in, on the offense. So um, I think for now, he's a good option up the middle. I don't know if he's, you know, the long-term option, but I think for now, he's definitely, you know, pulling his weight, and I think he's... Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, finish up. I oh, no, I, I, I just think he's he's probably seen, uh, he's probably staying up for a while as well, I'd assume now. Do you think Hoaglander can uh, hang in the top six if need be? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, the short stints, yeah. I, I, at the same time, as much as we all want to see him there, I just don't know if he needs to be. Um, I mean, it's clear that I think now that Bovillier is gone, not that he was playing, you know, all these crazy top six minutes, I think we've, the Canucks probably do need one more go-to scorer. And I just don't know if Hoglander is going to be that go-to scorer. And I just think his game really tailors well to the third line energy role. Um, and then, you know, plug him in on those top lines when needed, you know, when they need a bit of a spark, he can jump up and deliver some offense, but I just, you know, at this point, I just think it's working and I just don't think you need to change that personally. 
all this optimism around the uh, NHL club, and yet the cupboards are also providing some optimism, and I think a little bit of uh, <clears throat> surprise optimism. I don't know that we expected guys like Hunter Brustevich to catch our attention as much as they have. The rehabilitation of Jonathan LeCaramacchi started so well this season, and, and Tom Wielander is getting all sorts of accolades as well. Walk us through the cupboard and 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 uh, some of the pleasant surprises that the organization has seen there as well. Yeah, well, I think first things first, LeCarrie Mackey has to be the number one. Um, you know, I, I'm really excited for people who don't get to see him on a day-to-day basis, get to see him at the World Juniors, because it really just is a night and day change from last year. And I think at this point, we've we've realized that there is some merit to the fact that he had some injuries and was going through some stuff last year, because he just looks like a completely different player. And, you know, he's scoring goals at the SHL level. He's, you know, doing his his He's doing his best to get into the the dirty areas. Of course, there's still concerns about him getting in the middle and, you know, being that physical character. But I just, at the end of the day, I just don't know if he's going to be that guy. And I just think we have to take his shot for what it is. And it's just, it's just been exciting. So he's definitely been the top, the top, uh, you know, the top pleasant surprise. Um, Hunter Bustrevich, of course, who would, I don't think anyone saw this coming. He's on pace for over a hundred points right now. And, uh, he's just been so impressive, to be honest. Yeah, the 40 points in 24 games is impressive, but just his overall game is just so smooth and and his outlet passes are just incredible. So, yeah, he's been a lot of fun to to watch. I would assume he's going to be up in the AHL next year, so we should get views on him in the pro level pretty quick here. Um, so that's exciting. And, yeah, as, again, you mentioned Tom Wielander. He's been just he's come as advertised as well he's just so fun to watch he's just an elite skater his defense is amazing uh he just doesn't let people get past him all that often to be honest so um overall it's 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 quite the time to be taking over chris faber's shoes i gotta say because it's <laughs> you got the good stuff it, he you know, did yeah, the heavy I, lifting. <laughs> yeah he did all the heavy lifting and i'm kind of you know I'm, yeah, it's it's been great, but it's not always going to be this good, I'm sure. But and you know, everyone's slowed down a little bit. It's definitely you know, even Hunter Bustevich, he's not, he's still uh, firing at a, a huge clip, but you know, he's getting some secondary assists in there. You know, he's it's not coming in five points a night and all that stuff. And Lakira Mackey hasn't scored in four games now, so you know things are slowing down. So it's not October was just a wild a wild month, but yeah, it's it's good. It's 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 a good time. So the headline is Dave Hall develops prospects better than Chris Taylor. <laughs> is, is that mm-hmm. yeah, okay? Yeah, we'll, we'll run with that. Yeah, bad luck Tell guy gone. Yeah. Good luck guy in. There and uh, happy birthday to Hunter Bristevich. This is nineteenth birthday today. You mentioned the forty points, Dave. Uh, I, I'm struck by the s- stat line last year: six fifty-one <clears throat> for fifty-seven. This year: six thirty-four for forty in twenty-five games, as opposed to the sixty-eight. He played last year with the Kitchener Rangers. So an extraordinary development. Look forward to seeing him and the Swedes at the World Juniors. Is there any other Canuck uh, prospect that you would think has a a chance of making a a World Junior outfit, Dave? Sorry to put you on the spot here, but is there anybody else? That's okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I'd be pretty shocked if Elias Pedersen wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. he's a returnee. He, he actually, he did get injured at the five nations tournament. It looks like a couple weeks ago, but he has returned to his lineup. So I think he's a pretty good chance to, to get into that top six, not going to be a flashy player like Relander. You know, he's not going to be playing power play time or anything like that, but he'll kill penalties and get into the dirty areas and all that. But yeah, he should be there. But other than that, I think that's probably going to be their, their lineup right there, the top four. And with that said, 
Brustevich, I, I personally think he's there at, at 40, 40 points in 24 games. You can't knock that. But there has been some rumblings that, you know, the U.S. program isn't always keen on bringing those players. The CHL are, guys, yeah. The CHL guys, you know, you know the traders that uh, decided to cross the cross over the border. So, uh, again, I think he's there. I just don't think you you can look away from him. No, no. Yeah. Wow. It's the reverse, uh, the reverse Hockey Canada treatment, right? For right. years, we talked exactly. about Hockey Canada's treatment of NCAA players. I think that's for the most part gone, but um, out of sight, out of mind in some cases. Ooh, the one thing we had talked about previously, though, it's a pretty good group of USA uh, defenders. You've got yes. uh, first round picks there. You've got kids like Lane Hudson, uh, who is just tearing up the uh, NCAA ranks at Boston University. So, yeah, uh, I, if Brustevich makes the team, I wouldn't imagine it's in a more forward sort of uh top pair might not role. be pp1 but well no well uh, with hudson i'm not sure anyone's playing yeah PP1. we let you know all about that yeah <laughs> uh renzel a first round pick there a bunch of second rounders as well uh who went to their summer camp hey dave fantastic stuff first of many thank you for this yeah uh long time listener first time caller so thanks for having <laughs> me boys it was nice uh, it was a blast Letting it breathe here. I was gonna say you really took yesterday's criticism to heart. Here. Don't want to upset Grady again. Secure some price. So much breathing from us. <laughs> Presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. The Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's gonna be great. And that was one of the errors from yesterday. You were a little late. Right. Gonna be late, right? On the uh, gonna be great. Tag. Like, what would you say? Like, one Mississippi? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, hey, if the, the snap counts here, if the snap counts on three, Blake, yeah. and you go on four, I'm sorry, we're already compromised in the backfield. Okay, all right. Um, one of the things, and this is correcting an error from a couple of weeks back, but with regards to these players who sign in season, Patrick Kane and and. And uh, we suspect Ethan Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever their cap hit is, is their cap hit, and their salary is prorated from there, not their cap hit, lest there be any confusion. Um, John Shannon uh, had Seattle in the second wild card in the Western Conference. It was Calgary as of yesterday. Uh, Oregon State, Washington State moving to the Mountain West Conference from the embers of the Pac-12 or Pac-2, as it became known here towards the end. And uh, Ty France was an all-star for the Seattle Mariners in 2022. Grady, anything on your end? Yes, speaking of Patrick Kane, in the show notes, you forgot the C in Patrick, spelling it like it's Patrick Alvin. But like the good, astute producer I am, I caught it in time. Wow. Going behind the curtain. I am. Um, I'm begging off this air, and the reason being, mm. I'm auto corrected now to just K. It, it, we write Patrick Alvin so, so much often that AI that is Patrick got, yeah. now just AI is corrected it to yeah no C. I've seen incidents like that in my phone and stuff mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it's interesting. 
poll question results from yesterday. There were a couple because we fired one after the trade. Is trading Anthony Beauvillier for a fifth-round pick a good deal for the Canucks? Yes, no, or depends on how they spend the cap space? Uh, yes, one. Correct. Percentage? 65. 75. Depends how they spend it. Got 19% of the vote. 6% said no. Cap space Andy voted yes with a massive assumption they don't do something dumb like trade for Gutty again. In a vacuum, I love it because they now have the flexibility to make other moves. Scridler, I think you can pick nits with the Horvat return and what they did with it, but to me, if you just look at it as Horvat equals Hronik, then the trade is slam dunk. I didn't even like the deal at the time. I'm willing to eat crow. Hronik has been a game changer. Jay, it's a freaking home run. The cost to move cap, especially since the player isn't contributing, typically costs significant assets, i.e. a second-round pick. They have guys who can more than replace Beauvillier for cheap, and they can add somewhere else. Huggy Bear, in a normal cap world, no. This year it's a surprising win, in my opinion. Look at how much teams have spent for marginal cap space at previous deadlines. This is an opportunistic win by Alvin. Perry kicked out, and RGM jumped on the opportunity. I think all of that is pretty wise commentary. Yeah, I, I honestly did not think that this was possible. No, I, I thought no. it might be possible at the deadline if he had an okay season, but to to get rid of him this early is is well, good. The whole good thing, work. the whole thing. Yeah, that's true. And not taking on any of the salaries is a big deal. Uh, Corey, pre- Corey Perry solving the yeah exactly. Yeah, Who maybe. thought maybe? That? Well, Andre Kuzmenko reached twenty goals this season. Yes or no? What did they say? Uh, they said yes. Yeah, percentage sixty seventy one. Hmm. Still believers there in yeah. Koozie, baby. Time for our Betway bets of the day. And I'm going to that Pac-12 championship game Friday from Vegas, Oregon and Washington. I, I like the Ducks to win the game. The line's a little out of whack here, if you ask me. I'm going to take you dub plus nine and a half points. You get nine and a half points with the number three team in the country unbeaten on a neutral field who's already beaten Oregon on my Betway bet of the day. Uh, I'm going to the uh, Target Hero World Challenge. Is it still Target? I think it might be. I uh, don't know. Um, and I'm not going to go when with you say Target, you mean Target? Target, yeah. Um, Tiger Woods is a 76, but I'm not going there. No, of and, Although those that watched him today apparently said he looked fabulous. Mm-hmm. So it's great to see that he's uh, – he says he's pain-free. The ankle's working great. So. Well, he's back to talking about playing more regularly, Monthly, too. Monthly, he says. Yeah, well, yeah. that'd be great. Um, I, though, am today proclaiming the end of the Justin Thomas slump. I proclaimed it earlier in the week. Did you really? Yeah. I what said, were you getting at I that said, point? I said, if I can't bet Charlie Woods, give me uh, Woods' family friend Justin Thomas. Oh, I, I think I got him at 17-1. to 1. Oh. I don't want to do the there. same thing. You're allowed God to be boring. I should listen to you more often, Again, I suppose. He never listens to me, Grady. It's true. It's it was it was a rule I had in my mind. Okay, let me go so, another one. Let me go another favorite. Price <laughs> favorite. Jordan Speeth at twenty three. Ah, Love me some Jordan Speeth. Ball talking. From Nin- one ball talker to another. Exactly. Nineteen plus to play, must play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. Reminder, subscribe to us, Rankwide and Connects Conversation wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social, that's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.